Okay, at this time, uh, we're blessed to have our second message for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled, The Invisible Realm. Oh, there I am. Thought I sounded kind of hollow. <clears throat> Last week I was suffering with uh, a deep cough and kept wondering, oh, am I got the, if I got the stuff? And uh, I thought, no, I get this every once in a while. I've got asthma and bronchitis and different things that I get. So consequently, I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing a lot better, feeling a lot better, and... So I'm on my way to Mindy. The week before that, I was in Stroud. And we talked about something uh, that's going on in the world today. The battle for the hearts and minds of all of us. And I've brought this out sometimes a few years ago. And I've always thought it was quite profound. And it is um, uh, the world visions. Uh, different world visions, and I've got a I've got a list. I didn't pass it out today. I'll, I'll put it over there uh, later if somebody wants a copy of it. And the, the the company that puts this out, and they've been in they've been doing this for a long time, a, a Christian ministry, and they list secular humanism, Marxism, Leninism, and biblical Christianity as world visions. I stuck out here LGBT as becoming a, a world vision that is becoming overwhelming in the, in the world that we live in. Well, when we come to, to look at these world visions, um, there are different sections and different, and they go through all of this, these things, theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology, sociology, law, politics, economics, and history. <coughs> and under the theology, Area they have uh, humanism and uh, the humanistic manifesto is definitely atheistic. The Marxist-Leninism is also atheistic. Atheism; those are their theologies. And of course, um, you know, those that believe in in God and that believe that you know, uh, some believe God's kingdom is here on the earth at this time. But uh, we we understand that uh, the kingdom is coming but that God still is in existence, and he still has his own realm, and it is an, essentially an invisible realm. So I say to atheists, they say, oh, well, this is you know, all um, uh, made up, the Bible, and all that's in it is um, you know, fantasy and, and um, different things about the Bible, and I, I say, okay, atheists, the next time that you plug in something into the wall, or you stick your fingers in there, you try and tell me that where that came from, that mystery, invisible power that comes to you to, keep, to turn on the lights and the different things. It, all of the different, uh, I was just thinking about all of the things that man has created, and yet realizing that man only discovered what was already there, 
and made use of it is what he's done. Of course, who would ever thought of taking sand and another substance and making a transistor? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Somebody was playing around with sand and actually came up with that, so I thought that was pretty good. But in, atheists should, should know also the DNA, the RNA, the microbiology, the, the society that we live in today screams, screams that there is a power, a greater power, a more powerful power. And that and the Bible reveals an invisible realm that is real and is far more powerful than anything man has ever created. And in fact, that invisible realm actually is what's sustaining our very lives, our very existence. If the Creator decided that He didn't want to mess with us anymore, there wouldn't be anything left. <laughs> he could just fold it all up and say, I'm done with you. Um, so, what I want to do today is I want to investigate the invisible realm. I want to look at the invisible realm, the invisible kingdom that is powerful and there. And it can be discovered and it can be understood. And even understood by the things that are made, by the things that we see in, in the world that we live in. Very few, and I, I, I'm not sure I would ever want to do this, but very few have ever really witnessed God in, his, in the realm that, that comes down and talks to you. <laughs> well, Ezekiel did. And Ezekiel was on the ground in captivity, and God decided to visit him. Well, God has a portable throne. And Ezekiel is looking up at this thing coming down at him. And I want to read this, because I think it's very important. Eventually, every once in a while, God reveals himself in the Bible to different individuals, and Ezekiel was one of them. He says, now, it came to pass in the 13th year of the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kebar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. In the fifth year of the month, which was the uh, fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel. So Ezekiel, and by the way, there is a lot of red in the book of Ezekiel. Because God talked a lot to Ezekiel and he told him, you go and you tell these people they are sinning and they need to repent. And it's a book for today, by the way. It's a, it's a really good book for today. But I wanted to concentrate on what Ezekiel saw of the invisible kingdom. Because God revealed himself to Ezekiel and Ezekiel wrote it down in the book. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, priest of the son of Buzzi. This is verse 3. In the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kebar, that the hand of the Lord was there, was, uh, was there upon him. And they looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud of fire inflowed, enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire. 
Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and every one of them had four faces, and every one had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of the cast foot. And they sparkled like gold of burnished brass. Now, uh, if any of you have watched uh, some of the, uh, the shows, uh, they're kind of entertaining. Where humans supposedly are angels and come from God. Well, angels don't look anything like us. They're a special creation. And they are, and the word angel actually means messenger or servant, and it can, and that's exactly what they are. And they're powerful, powerful beings, but they are under the uh, rulership of God, they're totally under the rulership of God. They do what He wants them to do. Now they, and we'll we'll see some things in in a little later about one being that decided he was going to take over, but. That didn't work out too well. And they had hands of a man under the wings and their four sides, and their four uh, had their faces and their wings. And their wings were joined one to another, and they turned not when they went, and, and went every one straight forward as the likeness of their faces. The four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and their four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward where the spirit was to go. They went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. And like the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as in the appearance of a flash of lightning. So not only do, were, they, were they there, they had messages that they had to go and do. So he, he was seeing all these creatures coming and going. And, and this was a powerful vision that Ezekiel was witnessing. Now, I wonder how, how many of us would be so scared watching that come down out of the, out of the heavens that we, we would... Of course, he was in a vision. He was probably controlled. But I, I know that if I, if I saw that... I would really be shaking, very much shaking, and realizing how powerful this, this looks coming down out of the heavens. And especially the, the description of the creatures and how different they would be than what we're, we're used to. And so he, he said, he, um, he, Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with its four faces and the appearance of the wheels and their work was like the color of burial, and their four had one likeness in their appearance, and their work was, uh, was as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel, kind of like a, a gyro. And when they went, they went upon all four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their wing, uh, the rings, uh, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them. And when the living creatures went, and the wheels went by them, and when the living creatures were lifting up on the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, uh, UFOs and different things with lots of eyes. and different. But this is a special vision that Ezekiel is having. And it is a vision of a powerful God coming down to bring a message 
that Ezekiel needs to bring to these to the to the children of Israel. And yet they're in captivity. And so a lot of this message is also for us today and into the future. Um, so, and when the living creatures wheel, uh, went, the wheels went by them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Verse 20, wherever the spirit was to go, they went, and there was, a, <clears throat> was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up opposite them. For the spirit of the living creatures were in the wheels. <coughs> Excuse me. And when those went, uh, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted opposite them. For the spirit of living creatures was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads and the living creatures was the color of a terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. And under the firmament were their wings straight, and one towards the other. Every one had two, which covered um, on this side, and every one had two, which covered on that side their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the mighty voice of speech, as the noise of the host when they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads, and when they stood, they had let down their wings. And above the firmament, that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man upon it. And I saw the color of armor as the appearance of the fire round about inside it, from the appearance of his loins upon, even up, uh, upon upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it, as the appearance of a bow that was in the cloud in the day of rain. Now, can you imagine how God feels about taking his bow, his rainbow, and using it for something he considers an abomination? I, I just, uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to even, even look at that and even think about that. Because that was God's creation. That was what he gave to man to say that I'm not going to put rain on the, on the earth again and kill all of you humankind and everything on the earth. I'm going to preserve someday. Yes, I'm going to come and I'm going to have to battle, but it's going to be different. And I'm not going to bring rain. So it was the appearance of the brightness around about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one that spoke. And he said, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. And the Spirit entered to me and he spoke to me, and he set me upon my feet that I heard him, and he spoke to me. Son of man, I sent you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even to the very day. And I'm not going to go on. I just want to read a couple of verses there in chapter 2. But God was giving him a commission to go and, and do many different things to get them to repent. In John, we've seen the same scenario, only John is in a different position. I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe you have. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and 5, he's actually in the spirit at the time of the end. And uh, Chapter 4 says, And I behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was that of 
that were a trumpet talking with me. Now, John, <laughs> uh, this would also be very um, uh, disconcerting to be in this position. And I immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and the one that sat on the throne. And he that sat on it looked like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow about the throne in the sight like an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceedings lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps and fire burning before the throne. And there were seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea, a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes round and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. The third beast was like the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So we see the same, the same creatures. They may all have been just, you know, these four beasts may have been facing him so they, he couldn't see all of, of you know, the way they were. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them. And they were full of eyes inside and the rest, and they rest not day and night, speak, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. And then we find in chapter 5 another scenario. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written inside and outside, and the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals? Now, as we go through the book of Revelation, you see the angels doing certain things, having certain responsibilities, and they do them perfectly. Um, that's what they're created to do. So, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither in earth was able to open the book, neither to look therein, and they wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither uh, to look thereon. And one of the elders said to me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. In that time, if we've been praying, these prayers are going to come up before God and before Christ at that time. Imagine these, these odors of these prayers. And they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the book 
and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and have made us to our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Wow. And this is a powerful scenario in that end time. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the numbers of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, I don't know how many of that comes out to, but that's a bunch. Um, that turns out to be quite a few. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, as, as such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessed Blessing and honor and glory and power to him that sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. So we have quite a, an interesting scenario that John was able to see. And he stood right on the sea of glass and watched all of this going on. And there's more to it. I want to I turn to Daniel 7 just real quickly here. So we'll come back to this scenario here in just a little bit. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, uh, a very interesting, most powerful chapter, but I just want to read a couple of verses here. In the same scenario, in the same visions, in the same thing, we see something going on here as um, Daniel is receiving this vision of the end time and the different things that are happening. And he uh, sees this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And so we see uh, the same scenario that we saw in the book of Revelation, and, and somewhat similar, um, the sea of glass that Ezekiel was looking up, John is looking in and standing there. We see this one um, as we're, we're looking at Daniel's receiving this vision as the Son of Man comes and receives uh, his dominion and his glory. So the messengers of God, the, the angels, that's uh, the, the word angel actually can mean messenger. And they do a lot of messaging. They, 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 they have a lot of responsibilities. And no telling how, how much those responsibilities they, they have in sustaining the earth, uh, sustaining the universe. I, I have no idea what all of that is. But God knows and God uses them. And they are very obedient. They keep God's laws. They do God's bidding, and they do God's will. In Hebrews, the first chapter, we find um, a very interesting scenario about Jesus and about the angels. And I think it's important to put Jesus in his place and the angels in their place because <coughs> some have tried to make Jesus an angel. Well, that's not true because Jesus was never an angel. God, who at sundry times in different manners spoke in times past, beginning in verse 1, to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so we, now we've, we've joined them all together. Now we also see in the book of Hebrews this again, as he sat down by the majesty on high. Remember, the, the, the psalmist said that God would, would put him in the throne and he would, all those enemies he would bring and they would be his footstool. Being made so much better than the angels, as he has an inherit, by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. And again, will you, um, and again, will be to him a father, and he shall be a, to me a son. And again, when he brings the first to, uh, begotten into the world, he says, and all the angels of God worship him. Worship him. And the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers flames of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. And, and those are important words because that's what Christ is going to bring to the earth when he comes. He's going to bring righteousness to this earth. He's going to bring right judgments to this earth. He's going to be a righteous king. He's going to be a powerful king on this earth. And he will be quite visible at that time. Right now, it's an invisible realm. But it's no less powerful and no less important to understand that it continues. And they are planning for the day when Christ will rule on this earth. So the words that we see, that the power that is there, it should encourage us. You have loved righteousness, he goes on, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And you, Lord, in the beginning, have laid the foundation of the Lord, and the heavens are the works of your hands. And they shall perish, but you remain, and they shall wax old as does a garment. And as a vesture shall you fold them up, and they shall be changed. But you are the same, and your years shall not fail. But to which of the angels at any time Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He has not said that to any of the angels. And here is the point to be made. Here is the angel's responsibility. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And that's, that's what the angels are for, and that's what they do. And they're very good at it. And they take their, very, their job very seriously. <coughs> I'm, pardon me, I, I really... <coughs> I'm um, actually taking some medicine for this. Um, so I'm kind of... It's working. And that's the bad part about it. And... Uh, let me get one more... Okay, I think I'm there. If I'm a little gravelly, just be patient with me. Luke, the first chapter. I love this one. And I, I love it because I, I don't know whether the angel was told to do this or, that, or God said, hey, just go tell him. 
what's going to go on. And you make up your mind. I don't know. But I love what, what the scenario that happened. Beginning in, chapter, in verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zechariah, of the course of, the, of Abiah, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his law was to burn incense when he went in to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of the incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing in the right side of the altar of the incense. So, oh, you know, here I'm in this room and there's nobody in there. Not supposed to be anybody in there. And all of a sudden there's someone standing there. And Zachariah said, oh, he, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. You know, I can imagine. But the angel said to him, fear not, Zachariah, for your prayers are heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord your God, their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Well, he was just trying to tell the angel the obvious. <laughs> And the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel. Stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak to you and to show you glad tidings. When Gabriel arrives, it's a serious situation. You better listen. The man has a message. The angel has a message. And he says, you shall be dumb and shall not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned them and remained speechless. And so, if any time that we ever see an angel and he comes with a message, believe him. Especially if he says his name is Gabriel. Well, yes, please. Believe Gabriel. Um, I'm not going to go to, to Genesis 9, uh, 19. We all know that story about Lot, uh, that he was uh, stuck at Sodom and Gomorrah, and, um, or Gomorrah, I don't know which gate he was at. But uh, the angels came, and um, they had to drag him, his wife, and his two daughters out of there so that they could destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were very serious also. They said, hurry up. I've got to get you out of here. Because I'm, you know, we're about ready to destroy these cities. And, and you have been 
preserved. You are going to, to, to live, but you've got to get out of here. And I think there was altogether five cities that were, were designed to be destroyed. And he went to Zor, and that one was not destroyed, although that was one of the ones I think it was. And he finally ended up in the mountains because he couldn't stand it in Zor either. He finally ended up in, in the mountains. In Daniel, the ninth chapter, we find an awful lot of things about Daniel um, and uh, all the things that happened. Um, and I know it's in here somewhere, so we'll get to it here a little bit. Daniel 9, and beginning in verse, just a couple of verses here, three verses. Daniel 9, and uh, beginning in verse uh, 20 to 23. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing, Daniel was praying and he was asking, you know, forgiveness for the sins, forgiveness for the sins of his country, nation, and everything. He says, <clears throat> while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my, uh, my God, for the holy mountain, be, um, before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I am seen in the vision at the beginning, being... Uh, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me in the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth, and I came down to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And then, we understand the 70 weeks and, and all the different things that Daniel was, was um, <laughs> received. And then in chapter 12, God says, go your way, Daniel. It's for a time coming. Not all this you will understand. You will not understand this until the end. So go your way. You know, you're going to die. You'll come up in the last, you know, the latter days. But all of this will come to pass in a time in which you will not be a part of. <clears throat> um, Matthew 18. For those of us who have children and grandchildren, this is always comforting to me. Matthew 18. And I pray this for my children and for my grandchildren, that their, their guardians be over them. Take heed that you spies not the, these little ones. Verse 10, chapter 18. For I say to you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. When I, I think about when we lay hands on these little children, these little, these little tots, and they're, they're so innocent and so young, and of course they, then they've got to grow up in a world that no telling what kind of society that they're going to be in. I, I pray that God, especially those who are in the church who are in this way, that God will... give protection, that those angels will watch over them, that he will watch over them, and that the day will come in their life when they will accept Christ as their personal Savior also. As they grow older, they get to that point, and they see that God wants them um, to be in his kingdom, and that they will receive that blessing also. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, 
and beginning in verse 30 and 31, just a few verses here. He says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of the see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from, the, from, uh, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, I, I thought about this a little bit. Um, but the angels are sent to gather the elect, those that are chosen at that time, and of course the, the resurrection and everything. Is it possible that we might need some spiritual instruction about how we're supposed to, to uh, uh, act when we get there, when we come into the, you know, with the, to come to before God and before Jesus and all of that? Will we need some instruction? Will our angels have to say, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be. This is what you're going to do. And, uh, and I'm, I'm your guardian angel. I have been your guardian angel all of your life. Um, and you've been dead for 500 years, but I, I've, been, you know, I've been waiting for the day of the resurrection. And I'm here to help you to, to come into that time. And I've... I've seen you grow, I've seen you get old, I've seen you, you know, accept uh, Jesus, and I've seen you do all of these things in your life. And God has chosen you. And I'm here now to bring you before him and before Christ. And so I, I, I don't know. It just seems like that, that there is a, a something that the angels are, are going to be doing and of course, we know something very, very um, difficult that we would never be able to do, but the angels do. That's back in Revelation. Let's read a little bit about this, because they have the responsibility of pouring the wrath of God out on all of mankind. We have come to a point in society in which we're almost ready to destroy every living soul on the earth and make it to the point where there's nobody able to even live after we do it uh, now considering that Iran is working on them we know that China has a lot of nuclear weapons not as many as we do we have it Russia has them uh, let's see Israel I think probably may have some now I, I don't know how many different countries are out there with enough weapons and different to destroy every living thing on the earth and of course They've been able to do that for quite a long time since I was a child and going underneath chairs for the, for the ridiculous point of, of seeing the flash. By the time that I saw the flash, it would be all over with anyway, but we were, we were taught really well at, back then, for those of you that remember that very point of it. So, <clears throat> Revelation 15, verse 6. Seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. One of the four beasts gave the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of the God who lives forever in heaven. And the temple was filled with smoke and the glory of the God from his power and no man was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. 
And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of wrath of God upon the earth. And the, four, the first went and poured out his, his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome grievance sore upon men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So the angels will have the responsibility of pouring these, these very noxious vials out on mankind. The second angel poured his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the waters, Excuse me, I'm powers me. Man, I couldn't even hold that back. And let's see where we are. Uh, Founds of the waters and they became blood. And they heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, which are and were and shall be, because you have judged thus. I- imagine. They they follow God's instruction. Uh, to the T. They are his messengers. They are, um, what do I say, Um, very much uh, his personal um, army, um, loyalty in every way, at least these angels are. Michael and Gabriel and all the angels that were left, we got to, We'll talk about the fallen angel here in a minute. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another one out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God, true and righteous are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. Which was the power which has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their, their tongues with pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because their pain and their sores repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, frog, uh, in, uh, spirits like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth uh, to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle that a great day of Almighty God. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into the place that was in the Hebrew tongue as Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. It is done. It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the city 
of the nations fell, and great Babylon uh, came in remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every Ireland fed away, fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is about 100 pounds. Can you imagine a hail, 100 pounds? It just crush everything in, in its everything. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. By that time, it must be like the wickedness that was in the days of Noah. And I can see a time coming in the society that we live in that might be just like that. And the one that has been fomenting this for a very long time and wanting this to come about and wanting to see um, all of mankind destroyed is the one that they call the dragon. But he was not called that originally. He had a beautiful job, a beautiful opportunity. He, was, he had all kinds of um, good perks. <laughs> if that was a good job you have and you had these beautiful, wonderful perks, you could, um, you know, you, you, um, you work for the, the, the best boss in, in all of the universe. Everywhere, all of the universe. He was the best boss. And all you had to do was just be you know, just do what he says and, and, and do the work that, that's been assigned to you. And you had all the power that you needed. I mean, you don't run out of, <laughs> out of fuel. You don't get tired. Uh, you don't fall apart like we do when we, when we get older. Now, these angels were powerful. They had a lot of energy. They, they could do all kinds of things. And here we have this angel who became Satan. Yet it was not what he was in the beginning. In verse, um, I think I had it in verse 12. Let's just, yeah, verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, we know that that is not a man. And from right there, that, that statement has to be somebody, something different. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of your tabrets and your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covers. He had an unbelievable position in God's kingdom. He was so high up in, in the angelic hierarchy. And I've set you so. You are upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity, lawlessness, unrighteousness was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Isaiah gives us a little bit of, uh, of a, a little bit more understanding of this and what happened. Isaiah, the fourteenth chapter, 
I think we're all very familiar, but I wanted to bring out this angelic being and his fall and how he has fomented all kinds of terror and uh, all kinds of things in the earth. Um, and the day that he's put away will be the greatest day for all mankind. Isaiah 14 and beginning in verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? And a light bringer. He was, he was a beautiful creation. Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the midst of the, of the north. I will send a descend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. You want to take God's job. Oh boy. I guess he thought he had enough power. <clears throat> he had enough angels behind him. He had enough power. He had enough way that he could take over um, God and become the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, is this, the, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? One of these days we're going to wag our head and we're going to say, that guy, that, that angel did all of this? We know what his fate is. Uh, we have that written also. He knows what his fate is. He knows the day is coming when it's going to end. He knows that he is a temporary um, being that's going to, to, to bring uh, disaster on the earth. Because it says in, in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 20, I saw an angel come, and by the way, here is another one. Christ doesn't do it. God doesn't do it. He sends an angel. It's interesting. He sends an angel after Satan. An angel came down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Michael or Gabriel because they were the three covering cherubs. Then it was Satan that rebelled and took a third of the angels away. So it would be fitting for either Michael or Gabriel who had actually battled with Satan over the, over the millennia. It would be fitting for one of them to take that, and, that chain and take him and put him into there. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. It is interesting that all of his power is gone now. This angel was able to wrap him up in a chain and throw him in the bottomless pit. He didn't have any power left. He will be loosed, and he will go out, and he will try to, uh, to get as many to, to sin. But right at this point, he will be shut up and set away. For those who still believe that there is no God, that there is no hope 
that this is the only life and you just live it and there's nothing greater. And my pity goes out to you because all atheists should study the Word of God and they should look in to um, what is created, all of the things that are created, all of the diversity on, in society and everything. And I know because they've probably been college trained, their, may, their minds may be a little bit on the confused side. But if they allow their minds to be open and they ask God and they come to God and they come to Christ and they ask him to show them the truth, God will do that. He will open their hearts and open their minds. But I know for, for a fact that, that a lot of these people are going to have to come up into the, 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 the great white throne judgment and they're going to have to, to meet Christ. They're going to have to meet us, meet those who have come through life who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior, who's, who believes in this invisible realm, this invisible kingdom, which one of these days is going to come to this earth and is going to be quite visible. My final scripture is in Revelation 1 and beginning in verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, he says, Grace be to you and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, to him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood, and has made us, we are being made kings and priests, or as Lawrence has said in the past, a kingdom of priests, because we'll, we'll have a lot of responsibilities. Imagine what it's going to be like in the kingdom that we come into. The people that are still surviving are going to be in terror and trouble. A kingdom of priests. To God and, to God and his Father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.